Recording Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. I am feeling very relaxed today. Thank you, my dear patrons, for sponsoring the show. It's time to self-regulate, mate. So what does that mean? Well, on a daily basis, we all have a bunch of thoughts, feelings, behaviors, And a lot of times we do stuff that, at the end of the day, if we like to have a little self-reflection and accountability, we go, what was wrong with what I did today? Or what could I have done better? Sometimes we do outright mistakes and we just think to ourselves, what was I thinking? Or I can't believe I did that. And if we're married or a parent, there's a lot of times we realize, (laughs) I'm so sorry, Uh, I don't know what came over me, that wasn't me, I didn't mean it, forgive me. The actions of anger are the regrets of reflection. So why do we do so much stupid shit? (laughs) A lot of us, we just do stuff that's dumb and then later we realize how dumb it was or how irrational it was or how mean it was or how cruel it was. In other words, we're not responding to things, we're reacting to things. We're not intentional, we're impulsive. So what's going on? A lack of understanding ourselves. So the first step is self-awareness. That's the first step for a lot of things, self-awareness, by the way. You know, um, Having a better sense of who you actually are and what you think and feel and why. And once we're able to do that better, we'll learn how to regulate the reactions that we don't want to have. So this idea of self-awareness is linked certainly to mindfulness, becoming more aware of your thoughts, your feelings, why you act in certain ways. And when you're able to do that, you can also more easily recognize when you're overwhelmed, frustrated, angry, upset, agitated, and you just want to snap on people. Now, when could you practice mindfulness to improve your self-awareness? Things like meditation is one, right? But let's, you know, let's be real. A lot of us aren't going to really sit down and meditate. I mean, maybe some of us will, right? Power to you. Something simple like find a quiet place, no sensory stimuli. Um, You could even have the lights off, you know? And you just close your eyes, take some deep breaths, and try to relax. And you'll observe your thoughts and what comes up. And the best thing to do is not allow those thoughts to take you anywhere, but to just bring it back to your breathing, you know? Count four, Mississippi, breathe in through the nose, slowly exhale, four, Mississippi, out through the mouth. Salah is another great time to practice mindfulness. I mean, it's a real, I wanna say, analysis of of yourself. How many of us, uh, Allahu Akbar, we start the salah, and I'm thinking about everything except the Qur'an I'm reciting. 
or the creator I'm trying to connect to. This happens a lot. So mindfulness in Salah is another time that many of us are already, we have a consistent time a few times a day where we're able to just, we're choosing to stop life, the dunya, and try to engage our own soul and the creator. So take the Fatiha, for example, taking at least seven deep breaths, one after each ayah. And noticing if your thoughts are reflecting on the meaning of the Quran. And if you don't know the meaning of the Fatiha, like really know the meaning, like what does the word Rabb mean? And what does Ala mean indicate? What is Malik? What is Yom? What is Deen? then that would be another good thing to do for your homework, let's say. It's just really learn the meaning of the Fatiha. So that when you try to ponder its meanings and be mindful, it'll be useful, more useful that way versus just reciting stuff. And It might as well be Greek or Chinese for some of us. So if you can, set aside some time for mindfulness, meditation, deep breathing. If not, try during your salah to take deep breathing, slow it down, reflect on the meaning, notice if you're thinking about chores or how you have to pick up the kids or how you still have to do this or pay that bill. That's all part of mindfulness, realizing where your thoughts are going, what are they saying, and recognizing that ultimately you're observing this and it doesn't control you. Your mind isn't your identity. It's just an instrument it's a, like a cognitive engine that's running for you, but you're the one that has the key that can turn it on or off, or you can press the fuel or the brakes or change the gear. That's actually up to you. So as we get more self-aware, more connected to what's happening in our mind, the next thing I would pay attention to is what's happening in the body. Emotions happen in the body. And what I mean by that is, when you perceive something, there's a physiological response that happens. When you perceive something like fear, or sadness, or hurt, or love, or rejection, there's stuff happening in the body. Your body gets aroused, you know, the heart rate changes, you could sweat, you could get goosebumps, you could get shaky in the knees, you could start to feel nauseous or dizzy. All of that are actually things happening in the body. And feelings are usually the cognitive identification that we frame afterwards. You know, so if somebody sees me sitting in a chair and I look all red and they can't quite read my face and they're like, what's going on, dude? Are you, are you nauseous? It's like, no, dude, I'm really angry. But I'm the one who has to be able to identify that emotion and then express what I'm feeling. So what's happening in our body is really important because that often is precognitive and tells us something or communicates something that we're not always able to put words to. And this is, of course, part of emotional intelligence, which is one's ability to recognize, understand our own emotions and others. Right? What's happening for others. That's why when someone never picks up on your cues or 
what's emotionally happening for you, we usually feel distant from them or they're cold or they don't know how to empathize. So self-awareness connects to this concept of self-regulation, which is the skill of managing, identifying what's happening before I do some dumb stuff. And on a daily basis, we all have a lot of stressors. And chronic stress can hinder your ability to self-regulate. This is why managing stress is so essential. Because it, without it, you're not going to think as clearly as rational as you would like. And then you end up succumbing to impulsive behaviors. Those animal, that animal side in all of us comes out. The actions of anger, the actions of aggression, avoidance. Self-regulation is a tool and a skill that is taught in all kinds of therapeutic modalities or healing processes, whether it's anger management or healing from trauma, um, addicts, you know, people with addictions. That's part of the reason why they have addictions is they don't know how to delay gratification. They want to escape or numb themselves right away. So there's no regulation there. It's just boom, give me that pleasure. This is why I want to introduce this topic today. It's such a big skill that I use a lot with my clientele and something that I have tried my best to practice for many years now. And you get a lot better at it, like anything, if you do it enough. And it's one of those things you just got to keep doing until you die, just like breathing, you know. And uh, as far as spiritual virtue categories go, a lot of people also don't, you know, they say, I want to learn how to be more patient. Well, self-regulation is going to help you be a lot more patient. Because when you're not patient, misconduct, impulsivity, bad manners, when you don't like how something's going for you, right, whether it's towards Allah or others. So this is definitely connected to patience for those who want to be more patient or become more patient, inshallah. But just to organize this a bit more, self-regulation matters on a daily basis because it's going to help you make better decisions. It's going to enhance your relationships. It'll reduce your stress. It's going to help with your personal growth. And it's going to increase productivity. You'll get more things done. Now, many of us are already regulating or having self-regulation in things. For example, if I don't feel like praying, but I get up to pray, there's some aspect of self-regulation there. I'm regulating my laziness that doesn't want to move or get up. Um, I'm not having a piece of cake after, dessert, after dinner. That's a type of regulation. I am choosing to go you know, to the library uh, instead of stay home and watch TV. That's a type of regulation. In other words, you're interrupting a impulse or a habit to do something else. So if I have the habit of losing my shit on people or my kids or my spouse or my neighbor or my boss, that's something you're going to have to learn how to self-regulate. One thing I do at the beginning of every session is take five to ten deep breaths with the person before we start anything. Let's get into a more relaxed bodily state before we start our check-in, our process for today. And helping people do that every single time. 
you know, it's it's interesting because some people just don't really do it at first. And, you know, I nudge them and I say, hey, you, you got to take those deep breaths. Do you know how to take a deep breath? And people go, yeah, of course I do. I'm like, okay, well, and then I guide them through it. You know, put your hand on your lower abdomen, breathe in through the nose, breathe out nice and slow. And with time, people really start to learn how to breathe better. During sessions, I'll often check in, especially on a high-charge topic, emotional topic, like how is your body feeling right now? What do you notice in your body? You know, when I see people on video, I can even see shifts in their posture, or they cross their arms, or they lean to one side over the other, or they scratch part of their face. There's things happening in the body, helping them realize that. That there are things happening in your body is one of the steps of the self-regulation. Do you notice your heart rate going up? Do you notice your temperatures increasing? Do you feel any muscle constrictions anywhere in your body? And sometimes people will say, like, man, just talking about this, I'm shaking, or I'm, I'm starting to get agitated, or I'm, tears come out, or person may start to cry, a person may start to shake a little bit, a person may start to feel agitated. And these are all indications that something's happening in your body. If I know what's happening in my body, I'll have a better sense of what my triggers are. And the more you can identify these triggers, the better you'll be able to capture them, interrupt them, and learn how to inhibit them. And it's just a matter of conditioning. And certainly, any time we go into a state from being calm to aggressive or avoidant, that fight or flight, we know we've been triggered and activated our threat response. So consider trying these tips for today based on this intro. Number one, how to be more mindful of your thoughts. Set those intentional times to practice that mindfulness. It could be in the morning, before you eat, being more present, saying before bed, thinking about your day, doing salah time, or just actually trying to sit for 5-10 minutes and meditate. The deep breathing is going to help you also observe your thoughts rather than let those thoughts take over. When you observe your thoughts, don't judge them. Even if you're thinking something mean about yourself, like that inner critic voice says, oh, you're so dumb, you're so lazy, or I can't believe you're sitting here meditating when you have to go wash the dishes or take care of that email, just don't judge the thoughts. Just observe them. Bring yourself back to breathing and counting. And if anything, you can label those thoughts, okay? There's a thought that was critical. I'm going to get back to my breathing. One, two, three, one, two, three. Whatever the thought is, don't judge it. Recognize it'll pass. And by focusing on the deep breaths, you try your best to maintain your presence and anchor yourself in the breathing and the oxygen, which actually keeps your body relaxed. You can also check out guided meditations. They have these apps and YouTube videos everywhere. It's a good thing. So those are some examples of how to become more 
aware of your thoughts. The second part of self-awareness we discussed today is becoming more aware of what's happening in your body, mindfulness of the body. When you wake up in the morning, give yourself a little body scan, right? What's What am I feeling in my body? How, is there anything that's feeling constricted? Do I need to stretch? Does my neck hurt or my arm hurt? Do something with that, you know? Try to move around and stretch as you take those deep breaths. Other tips to be more mindful of the body. Recognizing daily physical sensations. When you hold that hot cup of coffee in the morning, you know, just being present with the heat and you holding a mug. When you're about to eat breakfast or a meal, you know, savoring the bite, chewing slowly, breathing while you're eating, paying attention to the taste, to the texture. When you're at work or sitting in a chair, being aware of your posture, regularly trying to check in with how you're sitting, how you're breathing, where your legs and arms are, what you're feeling. At the end of the day also, before you go to bed, trying to stretch out a little bit, taking those deep breaths, helping you realize you have a body, your body tells you things, and you need to feel what's in it and what's happening in it. That's going to allow you to become a lot more attuned to the times when you might get triggered or feel certain negative emotions. And as those negative emotions become more recognizable, you'll be able to improve your self-regulation skills in time. In the first part, we discussed what is self-regulation. It's our ability to monitor, inhibit, or interrupt impulsive activities. And that requires, first of all, for us to be more self-aware of our thoughts and what's happening in our body so that we can navigate or choose our behaviors more eloquently, let's say, or more practically or more rationally. In part two, we will discuss signs of dysregulation, why it matters to understand when your body is dysregulated so that you can reduce the likelihood of impulsive activities, the things that we regret when we're in a high emotional charge state. Thank you all for tuning in today. Special warm thanks to my patrons. Please visit patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem to help us keep this show going. Visit nurhumanconsulting.com if you'd like personal or relationship support. The links are in every description of every show. Coffee Recording Podcast.